And we're on. Welcome back to the Dad's Beer Club podcast. This week, I'm joined all the way from Houston, Texas by JL. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show today. Looking no, forward no. to it. Appreciate you coming on. It's funny, um, you're the first American I've had on here, actually. Um, oh, really? Yeah, but I'm making I'm making the trip over again on Sunday. <laughs> so uh, two have come around in one week. Uh, any travel restrictions with COVID or anything or not necessarily? No, 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 no. Great, great. That's good to hear. Um, so, look, uh, JL, one of the things we always do on Dad's Beer Club first is just check what you're drinking for the evening. So, well, it's still kind of early stateside, and I've kind of picked up the kiddos. So I'm having hibiscus tea. They say it's good for my, my old man high blood pressure, so I've recently started drinking it. But I do have it in a bullet uh, Kentucky whiskey glass, which there we go. there'll probably be whiskey in it later this evening. <laughs> do, do you know, a, a couple of weeks ago I had, again, I had two lads, two lads from Australia, mm-hmm. and one of them I did, so for them it was 6 o'clock in the morning, so definitely no beer. And um, <laughs> the other one I did quite late at night, but his not, the other one I did in the morning, he was later in the afternoon. And again, right. nine o'clock in the morning just isn't the right time to have a beer. I will have to admit, though, during the initial early quarantines and lockdowns, there was some day drinking going on from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you guys out of lockdown over there or what? What's what's going on? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Texas is reopened pretty much at 100% or at the business's discretion, you know, if they want to uh, stay scaled back because maybe they're a small shop or a small restaurant. Yeah. Um, some things still aren't open and they're just working on drive-throughs. Uh, we still have the mask mandates, which everybody seems to be adhering to for the most part. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, you know, a lot of our bigger events still haven't come out. Um, and you mentioned knowing a little bit about, you know, the area, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston is in the, in the cities, it's a little more locked down. You get yeah. out to some of the smaller communities and it's businesses as usual. Um, and in fact, back in October, when we were still very much in the midst of this thing, I went to an outlying County that has an annual festival every year and they went ahead and had it. And it was 10,000 people. I mean, outdoors, right. But 10,000 people. Yeah. All the neighboring restaurants were working at 100%. Uh, the restaurant I ate at had a 45-minute wait, and nobody had on masks. You know, I mean, everybody was, um, oh, you know, social distancing social and watching distancing, their yeah. space and everything. But um, there, there was outdoor music and stages. So a lot of the younger people, I mean, they were right up in the mix of, you know, in, in front of the stage and uh, co-mingling and, and the the great thing was there was no news that came out like a thousand people got sick or anything. There was there was no news of any of that. Yeah. So it was kind of odd. Yeah. It was very 2019, you know. <laughs> yeah. We're we're still in full lockdown here. Literally, mm. you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. Um, I gave I gave my little boy the options the other day. I said, "What do you want to do? We can either go to the park, go in the garden." Or go to Sainsbury's, the supermarket. Right. <laughs> it was, that was that was it. The, and it's still sort of like that here. I mean, because it's um, sorry, my phone. Um, you know, there's no place to go, right? I mean, just the yeah. essential trips still. And I mean, we can go shopping and whatnot, but it's it doesn't have the same feel good vibe that it used to have for me. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, but plenty yeah, of people. Um, I mean, this is a big city, so you get out on the Houston roadways, and it, it's like you know nothing ever changed. There's still thousands and thousands of people getting all around town. Yeah, we, we had um, so we're in our third lockdown now. The first lockdown, the roads were completely empty. It was like a, a scene out of a movie. Like no one was out. Traffic was completely gone. The last two, it's just like you say, it's just been completely normal. I think I lost volume on my side. Can you still hear me okay? I can hear you, yeah. Okay, you're a little muted. I might grab my headphones. Are you okay with that? Sure, no problem. No problem. Just to make sure all the audio comes out good for you. Or so I can hear you and answer questions appropriately, (laughs) right? 
All right. Yeah, I got you real good now. Thank you. Perfect. Okay, look, JL, so look, let's let's dive straight back in. One of the things we always do uh, here is just go right back to the start. What was life like for you growing up? What was your relationship like with your dad? Was he about? What, what was that dynamic like? So, and I'm glad you bring that up because I was actually thinking on that earlier today and I had no idea you would ask, but it just, you know, you get to be a certain age and you get a little older, get past 40 or something, you start thinking and reflecting on that stuff, right? Um, and I'm 51 this year. So, child of the 70s, born in 1970. My parents divorced in 1980. I was nine or 10 years old, 79, 80, they divorced. Okay. And he wasn't a bad guy, right? And, um, and he moved away, and he didn't move terribly far, 20 or 30 minutes across town. And he was always a shift worker, right? Worked third shift for many years. Um, and then he married a new lady. That's what I guess inst- uh, instigated the divorce from my mother, right? Yeah. And um, she worked night shift as well. So they continued. He passed, actually, in 2007. But they continued to work night shift for many, many years. He just preferred it and enjoyed it. But... Um, we never saw him much like he would come around every Sunday and I say we, cause I've got a brother as well, but uh, we'd see him for a couple hours on Sunday and that was it. Like, you know, we didn't go camping. He didn't take us to any sporting events. Um, that, I guess it just wasn't his thing, right? He always felt like he had to go to work or something, but I don't think really he worked that much. I think, um, you know, he and my stepmom, who, who was great as well. I mean, they had us over sometimes, but, um, they just started a whole new life. Didn't have any additional kids. And, um, geez, my phone's ringing off the hook. Sorry. I don't know how to stop that before the show started. Um, so, yeah, that was, you know, and he was engaged, right? Like he would engage with us to some extent. He would call and um, we'd see him, like, say, once a week. But there was never no vacationing or go stay with him for the summer or nothing like that. Um, as I got older and could drive, you know, I would go to his house more often. Um, and I can remember, and, and it, I, I always appreciated his honesty. When I moved to Texas, um, I was like, Hey, you know, you guys should come down some, you know, it's really great. Cause I was excited to be here. It was new, right? I'd always been in my hometown for 32 years before moving here. And, um, he just told me, he said, Hey, I don't fly and your stepmother can't ride in a car that long. Cause it's like a 17 hour drive. So he's like, we'll never be coming to Texas. <laughs> like, wow. Well, thanks for your honesty, Dad. You know, at least you didn't lie to me about it, right? Yeah. Um, so then, expanding on that further, the thoughts I had this morning thinking over it is, so, like, I made a lot of friends, you know, as most guys do, like, when you're a young lad, you know, like, from 10 to 18 or something, right? And you got your school buddies and a little group you, you run around with. And um, looking back on it, I think all but just a few of them were from divorced families, right? Yeah. And, and so it was just normal for us. Right. And instead of, um, seeking or getting attention from our fathers, we had this clique of boys that we, you know, good or bad, right. Sometimes we got in trouble, you know, the mischief kind of stuff that, um, so yeah, they just, there didn't, and I don't know if it was just that time of life or divorce was starting to get more rampant in the eighties. Yeah. Um, but most of the guys, and maybe it's just a product of my environment. Most of the guys I knew also had a father that was not in the home. Um, so then bringing that forward, you know, once I became a father, it was real important for me to stay involved and engaged. Yeah. Um, and now even as a divorced father, you know, I don't see him nearly as much as I did when I was in the household, but I made sure to stay close. You know, I'm within 10 minutes of their, their mother's home, which was, you know, the family home we shared. Um, and I, I get them as often as I can, and sometimes even above what I'm supposed to be allotted, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I'm going too long, if that sort of answers no, your no. question. or Yeah. yeah. No. You mentioned um, that quite a lot of you, you, your friends that you were around with, with mm-hmm. 10 to 18 were all going through a similar thing in terms of their fathers were splitting up with the, with the mothers. But yes. Was it also fairly common that the dads weren't also involved, or was that sort of unique to you within your friends? 
You know, I think, it, and I come from a very, very small town in the Midwest of, of the U.S. Um, you know, I always say Louisville, Kentucky, but I was in the Louisville metro area, and my original birthplace was a town called um, New Albany, Indiana, right across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, a town of about 30,000 people. Okay. So a lot of dads, as I remember from that time, I mean, they were working class guys, right? They either worked in construction or at a, a truck plant or um, some kind of fabrication shop. Um, you know, I remember one of my dad's friends really stands out. It's probably kind of a great topic for a beer show. You know, and he worked for the Ford truck plant, right? And he was a hardworking guy and worked there for many years. But he was also a veteran and a heavy drinker. So one day you know, four, five, six of us boys are hanging out at my friend's house and his dad comes in, sits down with us, has a beer, lectures us about not drinking and driving, gets in his car and leaves. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it was kind of a different time. I mean, the eighties were maybe a little more rowdy, right? Like rowdy from a, not a personal sense, from a society sense, right? Like yeah. we didn't have, I don't think people were wearing seatbelts yet, you know, the, the Technology wasn't a thing yet. It was still kind of old school Wild West in a way of, of life and upbringing, right? Um, you scraped your knee, you know, your dad told you to walk it off. You know, you didn't yeah. get coddled like, you know, like, do you need therapy That's for that? that? Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. Um, yeah, I played youth football. You mentioned uh, football before the show. I played youth football and two of our best players got in a fight one day during practice. And the coach didn't break it up. He watched it for a while. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then, he, you know, and they, we were in full gear. They had helmets on. They wasn't really yeah. just tossing around. But the coach was like, hey, hey, wait a minute. I can't see. And he watched <laughs> it. <laughs> and, of course, they would never probably really do that nowadays, no. right? And, um, they'd get, they'd get, the coach would get sacked. The, yeah, the coach would get sued, and some mom would be upset. It'd be blasted all over the Internet. And, um so, so, yeah, I'm appreciative of that time. It was a little different. It was a little tough being uh, – uh, we were all sort of poor but didn't know we were poor. You know, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, not so poor we went to bed hungry, but um, we didn't live in the fanciest of neighborhoods and have everything handed to us, you know, um, which I'm glad. You know, I'm, I'm glad yeah. it taught me a lot of lessons. And obviously, you mentioned they you, you, your mum and dad broke up when you were about nine or ten. Mm -hmm. Was was there ever a stepdad that came into the equation? There was that? not. There was not. And, and my mom's still she's still around. She's single to this day. I mean, she dated some, and there was a guy that was around for a while, but she never really brought men into the house. Okay. Um, and probably looking back on it, I'm glad for that because, and I don't want to take the stories off topic, but just a personal reflection when I became divorced, right. Um, after a 20 year marriage, you know, I didn't know what to, you know, I'd been married so long. I didn't know what the single seemed, you know, and I started yeah. meeting single gals almost right away. And, um, I tell this to be a funny story, but the first, <laughs> the first gal I met was, um, her son went to school with my son and we met actually on a school field trip. So I thought, okay, it's it's okay to introduce the kids to each other because they already know each other, right? Yeah. But I realized it was a mistake after doing that twice to get the kids involved too early on in a new relationship, right? Yeah. Um, so now I still, you know, I, I'm living the bachelor life. I try to date kind of casually and, and set proper boundaries that, hey, I'm living the bachelor life, you know, but I don't introduce the kids anymore. Um, no. And to come back to where your your question was, I'm glad that my mother didn't bring a lot of guys around that might have not stayed or not yeah. had my best intentions in heart. Yeah, yeah, because I've got a couple of friends actually that have broken up with their with their partners who they have kids with, and almost instantly there are new men in mm -hmm. the house. Um, one friend has been was been broke up not even a year. And I think there's been four people been introduced to the wow. kids at that point. It's just, you, you need to set that boundary to say that that's just going to mess with the children, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And, and I only learned this myself, like I think maybe last year, and I wish I'd have heard this when I became divorced, but someone said actually to 
give a plug, if you don't mind, to another podcast I was on. It was called Single After 40, and that's where I learned this from. It was actually just a month or two ago. But um, one of the commenters said, for every year you were married, you should spend at least one month single. You know, so if you're like me, married 20 years, I should have spent 20 months trying to figure myself out. Yeah, but I but I didn't right away, right? I was like, <laughs> you know, you, not to tell a bad joke, but you keep a dog caged up for twenty years and let him loose, you know. I mean, <laughs> what's he going to do, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, after a few uh, and not bad experiences, but a few short-lived dating experiences, you know, six eight months, a year, I think one gal, you know. Now I'm sort of like, hey, I don't, I don't want all that right now. You know, I'm okay mm-hmm. with with being myself. Yeah, no, I, I, you mentioned you got a brother as a brother as well. Is it just is it just the two of you? Yeah, so so I come from a really small family. So mom and dad, and and dad didn't have any brothers or sisters, so no aunts or uncles on that side. Okay. Um, mom had one sister, and she only had one child. So I don't have a lot of cousins or aunts or uncles. Um, my brother is actually still in my hometown. He's nine years younger. So that was a big gap when we were kids, right? Like I'm 18 and he's nine or something. But now that we're adults, yeah. our, our relationship is probably better than it's ever been. Um, and, and we can relate better with each other, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, so we're really small family. And then we moved to Texas for a job reload opportunity I had back in 02. Um, and have stayed ever since, you know, just... Um, the company I was with eventually went to the East coast after five or six years, I was with them and we chose, you know, we'd already bought a house in Houston. Uh, my, my oldest daughter was in school in Houston. So we chose not to move again. Yeah. Um, and have just kind of stayed. I mean, I, I enjoy, I mean, I live in the suburbs, but I enjoy having a bigger city nearby that I can go into for arts and entertainment and museums. And, um, and though I do, well, before COVID, I was traveling back back home quite a bit, but uh, and it was relaxing because it's a slower pace. But at the same time, it's like now I'm more accustomed to um, just the vibe of a city, I guess the the yeah. sort of the, the hum, the noise, right? You know. Yeah, so I'm a sort of similar background, really, in, in as much as I'm from a, a small town here in England. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the population of the place I'm, I was from is also about 30,000, 30,000 people. So relatively, oh. relatively small. Um, I moved to Manchester, <clears throat> which is obviously much bigger, much bigger city. Right. Uh, and I've sort of took a step away again now into the, uh, what you would call the suburbs, I guess, mm-hmm. um, where I live in a very small town, probably 15, 20,000 people but mm-hmm. Manchester isn't much of a stone throw away so if I do right. want to go back into that city for like you like you say the arts and sport and all that and nightlife you can sure, but sure. I also get to take the dog down the down the river and you know take the dog on nice walks and take the kids so it's 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 nice to to have it there but not live in it right. full time yeah yeah absolutely and I'm sure it's probably the same in most major metropolitan areas but you know, if you live in the city, the schools aren't always as good as they sometimes are in the suburbs, right? Um, and Houston, I don't know if other places are like this, or it's just a Texas thing, or or maybe I just wasn't aware of it in my home state. But um, the schools are all ranked, right? And they have different rankings about, yeah. I don't even know what they call it. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But, um, you know, people will live in certain parts of the metropolitan area based on those school district rankings. Um because they want to be in a good district for their kiddos, you know? Um, yeah. And sometimes it may cost a little more to live there or maybe that area ranks okay. And it is a little more moderately priced, but you know, if you're right in the heart of the city, it maybe the school's not as great or not as safe, you know? So I don't know. Houston's a real mix of um, a little bit of everything. Yeah. But it's like, like you said before, it's a, it's a melting pot, isn't it? Everybody, you know, with, with the oil and gas industry, Everybody just comes in from everywhere, and it's a, a, collect, a collective of lots of different thoughts and ideas and and l- ways of living. Oh, very much so. And one of the questions we all ask each other is like, "Hey, are you a native Houstonian? Or are you a native Texan?" 
and it's almost a rarity to find somebody that says, yeah, I've been here my whole life. You're right. It's, you know, somebody's from here or from there, or they're like, yeah, I'm a native Texan, but I'm not native to Houston. And, you know, and I can remember when I got here, the mayor at the time, I don't remember his, I think it was Mayor Brown. It doesn't, it's not relevant, but in his inauguration speech, when he was elected, he said, Houston is, Houston is a working city and people come here to work. And I thought that was, you know, and that was 20 years ago, but I've always remembered that because I thought it was such a great um, yeah. testament of what embodies Houston. Yeah, I remain so today. No, very much, very much. And yeah. not to shift gears, but I was just having this conversation yesterday. Real estate's what I do is my gig, but um, they recently uh, released and reported that uh, Houston has more housing starts than anywhere in the nation right now. Yeah. I don't know where the people are coming from. It's just crazy. <laughs> well, well, right now they're coming across our southern border, but that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry. Didn't, didn't mean to make it political, but no, 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 it's fine. Go yeah. kick on. I know. Um, I listen to quite a lot of obviously Joe Rogan's podcast, and obviously he he talks about the the, the flight from California to Texas. Yeah. Um, yeah, because taxes are a lot lower in in, in Texas as well, aren't they? Well, so we don't have any state income tax. Wow. Now, what they what they do get us on is property tax, right? Yeah. Like, um, our, but property tax is also tax deductible when you do your federal filings, right? So, um, you know, the difference is sort of the wages stay the same, right? Like, Houston can be a little more expensive, but we got the same wages as, say, a smaller city like St. Louis or Louisville, Kentucky. Um for hourly workers, right? Now, yeah. if, you've got, if you've got a really good job in oil and gas or something like that, then, yeah, it's probably going to pay more than other cities in America. Um, but our real estate prices are up tremendously. Our rent prices are up tremendously. Um, and I think it's just a sign of the times. They're probably going up everywhere. You know what I mean? I use um, – because, like I mentioned before, my aim is to move to Texas. Mm -hmm. And my friend, my friend is um, – who lives in Houston is always like, come, come to Houston. You know, it's only, it's only a four hour drive to Dallas. If you want to go to one of the games or do that. So I sure. always, I always get notifications when some nice properties go. I use the is it Zillow. I think it's Zillow, isn't it? That you guys use. Uh -huh. So I use that and I get notifications of when some pretty nice property come on the market over, over there. But you know what? I'm always amazed at the, the price of houses over there yeah. compared to here is, Oh, I'm Honestly. sure it's, it's probably much better here, right? I mean, it's real estate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the one point in it, I, I don't know how you feel Dallas to Houston, but the great thing about Houston to me is we've got the coast, right? So we don't seem mm. landlocked. Dallas to me seems sort of landlocked because any direction you go, you're, you're just driving out into the countryside. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, and the coast here isn't all that amazing. It's not like California or Miami or anything, but it's still... Still a coast. Still a coast, right? <laughs> so that's the one tidbit I would throw into that conversation. But, um, so yeah, please. Another question? Yeah, no. So um, your part, your ex partner, who you who you got your children with? When did you when did you meet her? Oh wow, I was ninety five, ninety six. Okay. We actually we actually worked together. Like I worked a full time job, and I worked a part time job in a pet store, and she also <laughs> worked in that pet store. And, um, and here's the crazy story for full transparency. So she just worked part-time cause she was married. They relocated okay. to the Louisville area for, for his job, um, from Northern Ohio. And I was engaged to my high school sweetheart, but she worked two jobs herself. So at that point, my, me and my now ex-wife, we, we spent a lot of time together, right? We worked together, so we were seeing each other four, five, six days a week. Um, we both had free time outside of work sometimes where our current partners weren't available. So we'd go get coffee or something, go hang out. And because we were young and dumb, right? And, um, and at some point, I don't know when it happened, looking back on at some point, boundaries got crossed. And we, yeah. we, we became a thing, right? And we both broke off our other relationships and, uh, and got married, you know? Um, and it was good for a long time, for a long time. But, um, I'd ran into a pastor a couple years back that had been a church we attended here in Houston. And 
you know, we were catching up. I hadn't seen him in a few years. He's asked me how I've been. And I said, hey, well, you know, I'm going through this divorce or I just went through this divorce. And he said to me, and I thought it was really wise. And he said, you know, the funny thing about a divorce is they start years before you actually get to court. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the, the marriage is on a gradual decline. And if you can't fix it, you just fall off that cliff. Right. And uh, I'm funny. Well, it's a great way to look at it. It kind of sucks, but it's a great way to look at it. <laughs> so. It is. But but, I, I think a lot of people ignore those signs as well, because sometimes, you know, when you, you look back and you reflect, the, 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 the you reflecting on it, you, mm-hmm. you see, those, see those alarm bells ringing. But when you're oh, in yeah, it, yeah. in the moment, it's easy you to know, ignore. And we, we tried. You know, we, we had some counseling a couple different times, and it just – you know, in hindsight, could we have both done different things? Possibly. But um, I'm also a firm believer in, you know, life's going to be what it's going to be, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, people come in and out of your life and sometimes you don't want them to, but that, it just has to happen and God sends you on your way, you know, or whatever your higher power belief is, you know? Yeah. So... How long were you together before you had your first? Uh, not long, to be honest with you. A year and a half, maybe. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it and wasn't. Well, a year and a half when, when she got pregnant. And then, yeah. you know, of course, practically was nine months or whatever. So about two years before she okay. was born. Because obviously, like you mentioned, you're from a relatively small family. Mm-hmm. Was kids something you always wanted to have? Did you always want to have a family? Yeah, you know, and I just... Um, Oddly enough, I just, my oldest had a birthday. So one of the things I've done for her was I wrote a letter to her. And I think I always just wanted to be dad, right? Like I wasn't really like hyper-focused on my career. Like I'm going to be a rocket scientist or an engineer. You know, I, I just wanted to be dad, right? I wanted to be home, like fixing stuff on the house, helping with the dishes, reading stories. And in fact, that's how we came about having additional children, because we go back to mentioning that small family. So when my oldest was about 10 or 11, and plus now at this point, we're getting older as well, right? I'm like, hey, we're from small families. She's going to be from a small family. She's not going to have any siblings once we expire, you know? Um, So then I I guess maybe that's how it works for a lot of people. It's hard to plan that first birth, right? Maybe sometimes it just happens or especially when you're young and fertile. Right. And then, the, so the second one, my son, we, you know, we talked about it. We planned that. And, um, it was like, okay, we agreed to have another child. And then third one, two years later was sort of like a bonus baby. Right. Cause we hadn't really planned that one. Um, but thank goodness we did. Right. Cause now the two young ones have each other. Yeah. Um, they love each other to death. They're really good brother and sister. And then the older sister's really good to him as well. And, you know, as, as she gets older and they age up into teenage young adult years, she's going to have some siblings and, um, you know, hopefully it all, all works out. It's, it's, it's been really good so far. I mean, other than the, the divorce, which is an ugly thing about marriage. Right. And, yeah. Um, but we've been blessed with, you know, no real illnesses or accidents or abnormalities or anything like that. <clears throat> So, just listening to what you say, what you were saying, the the first one wasn't planned. Was that a, a shock? No, no, the first one. It was a shock, you know. And I was thinking of that the other day as well when I was writing my daughter this letter. It was sort of um, trying to explain the memory. But how old are you at this point as well? I'm I'm 51. No, so uh, I was uh, yeah. Oh, I, when we determined she was pregnant, she was 20. I was 27. Okay, she was 25. And she didn't tell me she was pregnant, right? Like, not at first. And I reached back one day. We're walking somewhere, you know, like at a shop or a park or something. I don't remember exactly. And I walked, reached back to get her hand. And I didn't get her hand. I got her, her stomach. And she wasn't big. She wasn't showing. But when I touched her stomach, it just felt a little different, right? And I was like, when are we having a baby? She said, I don't know. And then, like, that next week, you know, we got a I don't know if it's that day or the next week, whatever we got the pregnancy test and then she was having a baby and we were like, okay, time to, you know, but, and I think it's society's a little different now. Like younger people, like my daughter's 24 now, almost the age I was when we had her. 
Yeah. And, and kids are waiting now. They're focusing on their career. Yeah. You know, in, in the 90s, and it doesn't even seem that long ago to me, but the 90s was like 30 years ago now, right? <laughs> and we were just, we weren't doing anything bad, but we were just enjoying life. We were having sex. You know, we were going to concerts and um, just enjoying being sort of, you know, I want to use the word young kids, but 27 or 25 is not really a kid either. No. But it's not really a full-blown adult either, you know, for me, looking back on it. Like, you know, I thought I was an adult at 27. The hell, I'm, I'm not even an adult now at 51. I don't know what the <laughs> hell's going on, you know. So, and, and again, from coming from a smaller town in America, I mean – I don't know how it is in England by any means, but I mean, a lot of, a lot of people got pregnant early years ago, right? Like hell guys, 18, 19 years old becoming dads. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe that still happens. Some I've not checked the stats on any of that, but that's way too young Yeah. for all that responsibility. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, with, with, I, I think our two countries are very aligned. I think mm -hmm. we're very sim we're very similar cultures, mm -hmm. um, although we do have quite significant differences in, that, in our approach to. I think culturally we're very similar, and mm -hmm. how you just described growing up in America, where young people had children early, and now mm -hmm. they're having them a lot. It's the same. It's exactly the same here. It used to be kids, you know, kids 19, 18, 19, 20, ha kids having kids. That's what it was. Oh, and absolutely, yeah. Uh, but very much now, it's people over thirty are starting to have starting to have children. I think, like, mm -hmm. like you say, having having a career. Um, but, but also, I think what plays into that is, but again, maybe twenty years ago, it was much easier to buy a house. You know, whereas now, yeah, yeah, absolutely, people, people really struggle to buy a house over here. Yeah. Well, and my, my 24-year-old um, still lives at home with her mother. She's studying nursing, works at a local hospital. And um, she's had a couple long-term boyfriends. And the last one she had, she basically broke up with him because he was complaining about her career. He's like, you know, you're studying all the time. And and I guess and I'm glad, like, she's got some ambition. She wants to get yeah. her career locked down before she worries about locking down with some dude. And... um. You know, maybe it's because we didn't have technology in the 80s and 90s, right? I mean, my world was sort of my hometown, right? Yeah. Like, I traveled some. I'd been to other cities throughout the region. I'd been to Chicago and New York. But my world was kind of small. Yeah. Um, and the people in it were sort of the people I thought would always be in it, right? Um, and I don't know. Then after moving to Texas, it sort of opened up. I had additional career opportunities, the internet's obviously changed things for everybody. I mean, yeah. Look, look at us talking right now. You know, thir <laughs> thirty years ago, I'd have been sending you a postcard from Texas. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And um, so yeah, hopefully kids are smarter now. Yeah. Or or have more opportunity to make this. I, I was just going to say it's it's opportunity. I think they're de mm -hmm. they're definitely not smarter. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely opportunity. There is. Like you say, you know, you, previously you'd have had looked at your hometown and your 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 sphere of influence was pretty mm. small. Whereas right. now, like last week, I'm speaking to somebody in Melbourne, Australia. This week, I'm speaking to you in Houston, Texas. You mm. know, like you say, they, these things were just not even an, an option. And even you know, even growing up, traveling out of the UK to go on a family holiday to Spain or Italy or wherever it just it just didn't happen whereas right. now people are going on two or three holidays a year it's you know the world is the oyster yeah well and, and in my experience coming up you know being in the Louisville area like um, Cincinnati Ohio was an hour and a half up the road and it was sort of unheard of right it's like you know maybe you went up there for a game or something but that was that was a long way to go you didn't really do that now in Houston it takes me a half hour and a half to get to the market you know and and it's yeah. right down the street, you know, it's just, and that's I'm being facetious, but you know, if you drive across the city of Houston, it could take you an hour, hour and a half to get to someplace within the same town. Yeah. And, um, 
so for me, and I can't speak for everybody that makes those changes, but it opens you up from that small town worldview where, yeah. you know, oh my, oh my gosh, I couldn't go to Indianapolis because it was a two hour drive, but now I've got to drive two hours to go show a house or something, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, that um, what you said there is it's just up the street. Reminds me of a story when I first went to Texas, and um, like I mentioned, my friends married a Texan girl. Oh yeah! Obviously, all the lads from England came over, and we got picked up at the airport. I never forget it. It was this a, a girl called Brittany, so she was driving our car, mm-hmm. and I got I got in the car after after a what twelve ten or twelve hour journey. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the last thing I wanted to do would be cooped up in a car for another like hour and a half right and i said got in the car and i said to her how far how far have we got to drive and she went oh it's just up the road just up the street she said yeah. and i was like, okay yeah cool uh 40 minutes later <laughs> I, said, I said i said oh, Brittany, you, you said it was just up the street she went no no, no it is yeah it's, it's not far and i was like <laughs> i said in 40 minutes we're going to a different city in england <laughs> That is how we measure time here. You know, we don't say it's uh, you know, it's twenty miles. It's either like twenty minutes, or it's that's a thirty-minute drive, and or it's right up the road, and it's really twenty, thirty minutes to get over mm. into the next little shopping district or something. But yeah, it, it's it's. I don't, and I'm spoiled because the first five or six years I was here, I did work for a company, and I had to commute, but it was fairly close to home where we yeah. office at. And now I've been self-employed since that time. So I get to choose when I want to commute, right? I don't have to get up at 7 a.m. and get right into morning traffic. Um, if I did, I think I'd probably have a heart attack, right? I mean, that's <laughs> not, not that driving bothers me. I enjoy driving, but I don't want to be in that mess of bumper to bumper to try to get to some cubicle at some downtown office building that I don't even want to be in anyway. You know what I yeah. mean? And, and do you know what? I think that one of the one of the if you can take anything good from the coronavirus pandemic, especially over here, I don't know about over there, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> the idea of working from home for a lot of these office workers before 2020 was out of mm-hmm. the question. Whereas now it's become so normal, and actually companies have realized that people can work from home. People don't need to have a two hour commute in and out of work every single day. Well, um, but it's going to make things weird. And, and I didn't mean to interject, but this is, I was just reading this yesterday. And it's going to be relevant for you, whether you choose Houston or Dallas, because I hear Dallas has one as well. I've not been in it. Houston has an underground tunnel system that connects 95 city blocks. So all okay. those office workers, because it gets hot in Texas, right? So all those yeah. office workers would travel from building to building underground. And it's not a subway. It's, it's just walkable tunnels. And there's restaurants and there's shops and there's all this stuff. Prior to the pandemic, you go down there and there's thousands of people and all the shops open. Yeah. Now there's like 100 people and 90% of the shops are closed. So, yes, we are seeing that change. And it is cool that everybody can sort of work remotely. But what's going to happen to all that space, right? And all those yeah. jobs that used to be created because of that traffic, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. We're sort of in uncharted waters, right? I mean, what yeah. the other side of this thing looks like. Yeah, who, who knows? I mean, we I started my own business in February last year, and oh. then the world went into lockdown in March. Yeah, so. great, great timing, right? Yeah, great timing. <laughs> but I, we I sub- get it. We su- we survived it, and you know we're we're looking to have a good year this year. But um, I was speaking to. Um, uh, Sky TV here, so it's like our, our oh. biggest cable provider, right? And um, I was just talking to one of the lads that was working on the phone, and and he he was saying that they're being told now forever they never have to go back to the office. Really? They wow. One hundred percent work from home. Hmm. So uh, yeah, all these office spaces, these big you know juicy offices that people pay hundreds of thousand pounds a year for, not needed anymore. They're going to not be needed, right? They're going to. Will they be reconverted? Will they get bought up by somebody else? I mean, it's that's a lot of the conversations I'm hearing stateside right now because I'm in the real estate space. But, um, you know, what's going to become of all this? You know, a company that maybe once needed 25,000 square feet can now shrink it down to 2,500 square feet and let yeah. the remote workers do their thing. Um, I'm kind of torn. Like I was always anti-Amazon for the longest time just because I want to shop and support local merchants. And I like Mm. to 
see what I'm purchasing. And and I still held off through the pandemic until we got to Christmas. And now it's like every two or three days I'm picking up packages, right? It's like I'm just ordering everything. I'm like, oh, I can get that. I can get that. Yeah. And, uh, and in fact, I was in, um, I don't know if you have them in England, but um, like a lumber store, we call it, it's called Lowe's here, like Home Depot and Lowe's. Right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was asking for a particular item and the kid told me I had to go online to get it. <laughs> I could have, I could have just stayed home then. right? Yeah. You know, I <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That the whole drive to online is has been expedited by this last year for sure. Well, for sure, for sure. And and I don't know that I like that a lot, right? I mean, I get it, you know. And but at the same time, all the small shops that sometimes have better service and more quality items, you know, they're they're becoming it's a thing of the past almost. Yeah. 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 Um, so just going back to your children, did you did you find out what you were having, or did you wait to find um, out? Gee, it's been so long. I I, I think we we found out each time. I will okay. tell you this. It was so funny story. So we'll bring it back to the children. So when my first was born, like I was twenty seven years old. I had long hair. I was long hair hippie kid. You know that was just my vibe. I worked in craft bars and the pet store and all that stuff when we were young. And she's about to have this baby, right? And I'm freaking out. Like, not, not like in a bad way, but the nurses can tell I'm obviously, like, scared to death, right? Yeah. And the two nurses look at me, and the one nurse says, um, hey, do you want me to get you a Valium? I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> she just laughed, and she said, no, I can't do that. <laughs> and left me there just to miserably fall apart, waiting for this first child to be born. And then she asked me, after the child was born, she had me go buy her a meatball sandwich at Subway at 12 o'clock at night, which, um, so three children, I've never seen any of them be born, which is kind of weird for most dads. Like, like I was there every time, but I didn't want to yeah. watch the process, right? No. Like, I, didn't, I didn't really want to see that. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> uh, so I, I didn't, but, um. Yeah, I think we always wanted to know the sex, so we could sort of prepare, right? You gotta. I guess I'm seeing a lot nowadays. People want to do these reveal parties, and it's a boy, it's a girl. You know, we wanted to know up front, so you know, hey, do I need to get boy clothes or girl clothes? You know, and, yeah. Am I painting this room, or what color is the crib going to be? And um, especially on number two and number three, right? You know, I wanted to be as prepared as possible. Yeah, and I, I generally, genuinely have no idea how people wait. Like, we we paid to have this early scan for an early reveal for mm-hmm. our for our boy. But yeah, we've got friends actually that are having children now, and they're just gonna wait. I'm like, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess maybe if you pick out two sets of names, right, and you already have a boy name ready and a girl name ready, then you can just. But yeah, and it, it's been so long for me. Like my, I youngest is and i'm almost like grandpa dad right i mean she's 10 but so it's been 10 years minimum i mean she'll be 11 this year in a few months so it's been that long since i've experienced an actual baby baby right um i saw one the other day it was almost like weird right i was like oh my god <laughs> what is that little bitty thing <laughs> um but no it's 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 great i mean going back to where we sort of started, I mean, I think I always wanted to be a dad and I've tried to stay involved. I mean, we did the, the boy scouts, the girl scouts, um, COVID's made it kind of weird. I mean, I still get my visitation, all that, but it's, we've been limited to where we can go for fun. Um, yeah. so, so weird story relating to that. Just, um, last weekend I took them out for, um, uh, it's this big place called incredible pizza. You know, they have this pizza buffet and, video games and indoor go-karts and all that. Right. So I bought the full package, but since it's COVID, you can't get your own pizza from the buffet anymore. Right. You have to stand in line and they put it on the plate and then hand you the plate. Okay. Fair enough. But you are allowed to go get your own drink or your own ice cream. (laughs) And, And then you're allowed to go in there with hundreds of other kids and everybody's touching the surfaces and stuff, you know, and, I don't know. 
And it's a big place, right? Like they said, uh, they said they were working at reduced capacity, but reduced capacity meant they could still have fifteen hundred people in the building. But yeah, yeah, and it was pretty full. Um, so I don't and know. and was the pizza incredible? No, it's it's <laughs> terrible. You know, it's buffet food, and and the surprising thing is, and you know how kids can be, right? And of course, I didn't give him any flack about it, but my son literally ate two pieces of pizza and one drink. Like, dude, it cost me one hundred and fifty dollars to get us in here. You need you need to eat like twenty pieces of pizza. Uh, Fill your pockets. Yeah. So you know, and it, most of what I spent was for the game. You know, there's a nominal admission for the food buffet, but you gotta buy the buffet to get in, right? So, um, but it's good. I mean, my point to all that is things are starting to open back up, and some of the regulations yeah. are starting to get a little bit lax. Um, they went with their mother a weekend or so ago to a place called Kima, uh, which is down on the, um, the Galveston Bay. And it's an outdoor amusement boardwalk thing with outdoor rides. And um, so that was nice. They were able to do that. I didn't realize that place was back open again. Um, um, I, don't, I don't know what else I got for you. You got another question? Open this up. <laughs> you know, no, I was going to say, do you think how your how you described how your dad was growing up. Do you think about being quite distant and not as involved and not going to concerts and all that sort of stuff. Do you think that shaped you becoming a parent because you saw you experienced what you didn't want? Yes. Yes and no. But, and like I said, he wasn't a bad guy, you know, and, no. and I remember like he was always there with words of wisdom, you know, but it was more like by phone. He didn't spend that actual lot of time engaged, but I've always said this, right? Like, about dads like and i know a ton of guys that hunt right and i'm not opposed to hunting but i don't hunt i've never went on well i've went on a hunt but i didn't even have a gun right i just went with my mates but so like grandfather has guns and hunts and he teaches dads how to hunt or fish and then dad teaches his sons right like we pass these things down my dad taught me how to play guitar like i've got my dad's old led zeppelin records right back here behind me so he imparted some things in me that are that I'm about that I really enjoy now. And he was involved before they divorced, right? Like I remember him being a scout dad and we made the Pinewood Derby cars and all that. But as I was growing up, he wasn't real involved. Okay. And yeah, so so maybe I now almost to the point of overcompensating, right? Like I want to be involved and and then becoming a divorced dad. You know, a lot of divorced dads end up either somewhere else or they've just, you know, walked away from it and they're not involved yeah. at all. Or, or their exes, you know, they've had a bitter breakup, so she's not allowing them to see the kids very much. And yeah. It's just ugly, you know. Um, we've sort of avoided all that. And I see them, yeah, I'd say quite often, you know, not as much as I would like, but as much as I can. And, and we're always kind of... Well, and I don't overcompensate by saying we're always doing something like because you don't want to be a Disneyland dad either, right? It's like, no. oh, hey, it's Dad's weekend. Let's go, you know, let's go to the strip clubs. <laughs> you know, we don't do anything. <laughs> you know, some days it's just good to stay home and um, cook them a meal and stuff like that and be engaged at that level. Um, going back to where your question started, so when my father, mother and father divorced, I never stayed another night with him. He never had us come over for a sleepover, for a weekend sleepover, for for a day. And I always found that odd, right? Like, like I want yeah. my kids to be sleeping over as much as possible. Um, but again, it was sort of a different time, right? A different time yeah. in the world, maybe. You mentioned um, your brother, who is, I think you said nine years younger than mm-hmm. you. you say, he's still back home. So did he have a relationship still with you? We dad growing up. Yeah, yeah, and was probably a little closer. Well, and that may have been my own mistake, right? So I moved here in 02. My father died in 07. So those last few years, my brother was probably more engaged with my dad than I was. Okay. Um, I went up a couple times when he was sick. And it conveyed to my stepmom, I said, hey, if he worsens, you know, I, I want to know so I can come home. You know, well, nobody told me, so I wasn't there when he passed. Um, so, yeah, my brother was probably, they had a better relationship later on in life. Yeah. Um, 
I'm trying to think where it transitioned because, you know, I got married fairly early and my brother, you know, at 27, my brother was still just like 18 or something. Right. So he probably had more time, more adult time with dad than I did, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, but still, I don't think they really ever got together and did anything. Right. Not like, um, I don't know. They may have my brother would have to answer that, you know, cause I know I went over some, I, you know, he had a woodworking shop and a big garage and we made some speaker boxes and stuff like that. So I'm sure my brother did some things like that with him as well. Yeah. Okay. So I'll say we're, we're, we're nearly, we're nearly at the end. We're going to wrap up in a, in a second, but sure. I just want to touch on, um, cause I know a lot of people go through this when the, the divorce and the decision to actually, leave the, the family home how yeah. how 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 was that like how did how did the thought of obviously you, you go from well not not the thought of that actually how did you adapt to being in a situation where you're seeing your children every day and then to a situation where you're not like how how did how did you adapt to that so that's a great question and a great story to wrap up on because i can bring some real points and, and hopefully some funny points as well but that was, that was the hardest thing ever for me as an adult man, right? Because we had been married so long. We had lived in that same house for 14, 15 years, right? Um, and being in real estate, I've seen it, right? Like you go show a house and half the stuff's gone. Only, only one person's clothes are in the closet. You know something's up, right? Because, and again, just my experience or my opinion, a lot of times when a couple breaks up, the dude just bounces, right? He's like, Hey, screw that. He packs a bag. He's crashing on a buddy's couch. Yeah. And I told her, I said, I'm not going to do that. Right. We've been married so long. I've been so engaged in these kids' lives. So our decision was, I don't know if it's good or bad or if it's for me or for the kids, but we lived separately in the house and started trading weekends. And this was to avoid each other. Right. Like, okay, it's your weekend with the kids. I'm going to stay gone. So you guys can do whatever or you guys can stay gone. And we did that for three or four months. And it was like living in an igloo, right? Like just super tense. We're avoiding each other. I'm slowly, you know, and then she was demanding that she eventually wanted me out. And I said, we've been married so long and I'm, you know, we've been a family so long. I deserve to be able to establish a residence so the kids can come and visit me. Right. And I said, once I get an apartment, I'll go. And it takes a while. Sometimes there's immediate availability. Sometimes they'll say, hey, it's available on the 20th or whatever. And I remember to this day, I think it was October 21st, they said they were going to have my apartment ready. So I spoke with her. I said, okay, I'm, you know, the kids are going to be in school. You're going to be at work. I'm going to get a moving truck. And, well, let me back up the story and then kind of set it up. When we were originally going to split, I wasn't going to take anything, right? Like I didn't want to take half the furniture or I didn't want to disrupt the family home as much as possible. Yeah. Right? But as we got further down the road, as to me moving out, I was like, well, dad deserves some things. Right. And the kids are going to see the same possessions in dad's house. And so I didn't fight for much, but there was a few things like my, my great grandmother's steamer trunk, you know, um, of course, all my personal belongings, clothing, that kind of stuff. Some dishes that were my other grandmother's weird things like that. But I, didn't disrupt the home too much. But so on that particular day, I said, Hey, if, if you'll pick the kids up from school after work, keep them out to about five or six o'clock, I'll pack up and get out of here. Well, leading up to that, of course, the kids at that time were like five and seven. Right. So I'm trying to have that talk, you know, Hey, dad's not going to be living here anymore. And I was slowly packing what belongings I was going to move out with into the garage. Cause as you can imagine, I mean, we've been married 20 years. We were in that house for 15. I mean, I had stuff in the attic, right. That was personal to me that, so I'm slowly up to the moving date, moving all this stuff out in the garage and spending my time with the kids. And on that day, I, I remember I got all my stuff and I even, um, one of the things I wanted was the bedroom set, right? Like I, I deserve time to, damn bad if we're going to divorce i need to have a damn bed right but i wasn't really an asshole about it right like after i cleaned out the bedroom we had hardwood flooring in there and you know when you move like there's always dust and dirt and all that move out 
So I mopped and everything, right, bro? Like I, I did it the best I could without just storming out and throwing my stuff in the yeah. truck and leaving a mess. So then to wrap that forward to to see, you know, how did it feel to go? I mean, we were a family of five with two dogs and a cat, so there was always noise. I wake up the next day and I'm in a one bedroom apartment. And I remember that one particular Sunday, like the first Sunday after I moved, I just thought, you know, I'm not going to call anybody. I'm not going to get on the internet. I'm not going to be on social media. I'm not going to turn the TV on. I'm just going to sit with myself, right? The silence was near deafening, right? I mean, it, it was it was a bad day. Like, And I didn't drink or, like, get all the time. You know, I just was trying to deal with the new normal. So, and here's a funny story, and I'll wrap up with this. So, I lived half mile from a neighborhood store, a little pharmacy. And I'm not much for cereal, like cold cereal, like cornflakes or that kind yeah. of stuff. But, but that particular day, I decided I wanted some cereal. So, I grabbed a little backpack, you know, and I walked up, you know, and I'm for exercise, right? Get out and get moving around. So, I walk up to the store to buy some cereal, some milk. Well, I get back to my new apartment. I didn't have any bowls or spoons because <laughs> I didn't think ahead. Right. And I didn't yeah. split that kind of stuff up from the family. So I ended up eating a bowl of cereal in a red solo cup with a plastic fork, <laughs> but I made it, I made it through. Right. I mean, you know, yeah. now I have everything I need. I've been reestablished for, you know, quite a few years now. It seems like the kids have everything they need. Um, but you kind of find out who your friends are when you're going through that. I, you know, I had a coworker yeah. just call me randomly and she was like, Hey man, I'm at Walmart. Do you have silverware? You know, they got the silverware tray. It's got all the pieces you need. And I'm like, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Yeah. I just ate cereal with a fork. Yes. I need that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. slowly things started to come together and now yeah. it's a uh, single dad life, you know? Yeah. But this is, it's, I've talked about this a lot with, with a lot of guys and <clears throat> you know, over here, especially you, when you when you're younger, you've got a you know bounty full of friends. Right, there's loads of them, and then as you get older, the the, the friend pool starts to shrink and shrink. And then when you have kids, you know it becomes even it becomes even smaller, right? Yes, that's right. And then what a lot of people do is they completely shut themselves off from their friends um, and people that they've grown up with for a long time. So then what happens is when people get into a situation like you've got find yourself in where you you've got you've gone into your house you've got no cutlery and then you have no friends because you've shut people off for such a long time and you can soon see where why some people some men in that situation really struggle to mm -hmm. to adapt and then mental health starts to become a problem because oh, their world has gone from this to this well, so I still deal with that because, you know, I, I feel like I know a ton of people and I have probably hundreds of people I call friends, but really they're friends on a professional sense, right? They're professional yeah. peers. And if, could I call them if I was in a pinch? Probably absolutely. But what has sort of happened when you, you know, you're that married guy, well, you, you have all these people in your life, in your career and your job, and then you go home to your family at night, yeah. right? You're not really running with your buddies and that stuff. And now that I found myself single, it's, I became single at 46. I'm 51 now, but a lot of my friends are still married, right? So I might see them professionally during the day, not so much during COVID, right? But might see them during yeah. the day, but then they go home to their family. You know, we're not out running around, hitting the pub or, you know, and exactly like you say, some guys go the other way. They start going to the bar too much, yeah. you know, and that, that maybe gets them in different trouble or different arrangements they shouldn't be in and, um, so, yeah, I've, I've taken a real inventory probably the past, well, because of COVID, right? It's like being okay with, I don't want to use the term being alone, but, you know, being um, alone with your thoughts. But yeah, being alone with your thoughts and not beating yourself up about it, yeah. all that stuff. I mean, um, because prior to COVID, I mean, being in real estate, we always had networking events or training opportunities. Well, all that's pretty much ceased or it's yeah. went to, it's went to zoom, right. Which is, yeah. not which worked. it's not really the same. Right. So, um, but I don't know. It's, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. So hopes for the future. What, what, what are the next few years have in store for you, Joe? 
So, you know, I rent currently. I'm in an apartment, um, which I don't hate. And because when my parents divorced in 80, we, we lived in apartments for many years. My, my mother never bought a house again. Um, but I would like to buy. I don't know if I want another single family home. I want to get into real estate investing. Um, so I would like to possibly buy a smaller multifamily unit, you know, like three to five units, live in one and rent out the others. Yeah. Um, I told myself and it was kind of a life hack for me, but right before COVID happened in 2019, I turned 49. I don't know if it was a midlife crisis or what, but I told myself I was retired, right? Like I still kind of earn money. I still have bills, but I feel like I took myself off that rat race, off that wheel. Right. Yeah. Um, and it was just a little mind change for me. But so at 51, I'm probably too early to be thinking about it, but I'm thinking about how can I not be in the corporate grind? You know, yeah. how, how, how can I grow my business and still make money and maybe even make more money than, than I have in the past without that corporate grind. And it sort of comes back to some of the things you were saying, right? I mean, all the remote working and people not going into the office and, um, I think a lot of us are going to have to pivot. Even if we stay in the same line of work, it's kind of pivoting from what it was, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm just looking at enjoying the, I don't know, the second half of life, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are, you a, are you a sports fan? A little bit, but I don't follow it by, um, like, I don't know players and stats and all that. Um, I, I used to enjoy going to the, the events are much better when you can go to the stadium, right? Yeah. Um, for me, they were, um, and I'm a, I'm a hometown guy. Like, um, my hometown didn't have professional sports teams and now Houston does. Um, so even when, when, when they suck, I'm sort of a, a fan just because we got, you know, we got teams here. Um, but yeah, I like to go and, and do the experience. I don't watch a lot, um, through the season. Um, I do tend to follow some, my, my son's a big sports fan and he does follow stats and players and stuff. So I've kind of stay a little engaged in order to, you know, connect with yeah. him on that. Um, but yes and no, I mean, and, and sports are huge and, you know, you mentioned the Cowboys. So sports are huge in, in Texas and in Houston and Dallas. Yeah. I mean, they, they decorate their cars and their houses, <laughs> right? They do. Yeah. I, I seen a truck on the internet just the other day that had all the Dallas Cowboy colors and stars and players, uh, numbers and everything. And it, and it was really cool, but, um, I've never seen nothing like it until I moved here. It's, it's, it's so crazy that like, the, the difference between your football, not, not so much the difference between football, but the, the way it's supported. So I, the last game I went to was a Dallas Cowboys and Green uh, Green Bay Packers, which is a mm -hmm. big game, big rivalry. Sure, sure, absolutely. And um, all your fans are sat together. You're all, you know, elder rows. And I was saying, cause I got, I was sat next to a Green Bay fan, and I was talking to them about what English uh, soccer, as you would call it, is like. Right, right. And I was like, you, you are literally separated in the stadium because you will kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's it's incredible like it's so it's so different yeah well you guys even it spills out into the streets and stuff sometimes yeah. right like after the game and i don't know i'm not yeah, yeah i'm not, not that big of a fan you know i like to go and have a couple beers and eat some of the bad food and you know watch them hit each other real hard but um, yeah you know at the end of the day i don't they get paid too much for me you know, and we've got a big controversy. Um, I don't know, maybe you're, I don't know if you're getting that news over there, but a big controversy currently in Houston um, because I think it's our quarterback, Deshaun Watson, or something. He's had like these eight or nine different women come after him with these allegations, and a local big time attorney has taken all the cases, and it's just started to come to light the past couple of days, and it's probably going to be ugly for him. I don't I don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, and then it, it's it's a real bad time to be getting caught with that kind of stuff with, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. with what's going on in the media and stuff. Yeah, so I don't know. That's that's why I kind of you know I stay single. <laughs> <laughs> I, I date a couple of them, but I don't want to get really involved right now. You know, I don't I don't need all that. 
But, but hey, man, it's been great. Did, yeah. Do you have anything else for me? Or no, no, no. I was going to say that that was it. It was a really lovely speaking to you. Thank you for sharing your experiences. And like I say, <clears throat> I think what you know, a lot of people think that it's a Brit- the way men think or dads think over here is it's, it's always a British way of thinking. But actually, it's not. You know, all us as dads have the same experiences. Just all over the place and i think the more the more different stories that people hear um the better because i actually one just just before i wrap up um one of the podcasts i did with a guy where he talked about not being able to connect with his daughter for the first three months and it wasn't until like the third month where like a light bulb clicked and he was like oh my god i love this child but for the first three months he saw he saw her as a burden and as a you know he's taken away from his single playboy lifestyle and now he's having to give all his money to this child and on the back of that i've had people message me and say actually do you know what I actually thought I was alone in thinking that I couldn't connect with my kid. And I was at a point where I was thinking there's something wrong with me, but it's not, it's just that everybody you will connect. It's just that sometimes it just takes a little bit longer, but I think with just dads being able to share their stories and their experiences and other people hear that, that's all that this is about really. Absolutely. Well, you know, and dads aren't normally uh, the nurturing one, right? No. Um, And we obviously don't carry the baby. So our connection's different. Um, yeah, but once it kind of once you realize, hey, I'm a dad now. Yeah, there you, you don't go back from that, right? No, um, you, you you become you know unless you're just some pos, right? But you know a lot of guys once they become dad, they're they're sold on it, you know, and they're they're yeah. trying to better themselves and be a good person and a good provider and just um, hope everything comes out well. That's it. I say, and there's and there's no rule book. There is no rule book. We're <laughs> no, all, there's not. You know, every kid is so different. Like I talked one of the blogs I wrote, I talked about how, you know, stop listening to what your parents, what your mates, what your uncles, what your cousins, t- ignore what they tell you because mm. everyone is so different. So stop putting pressure on yourself from other people mm. and just go with it. And you know. Y- y- I think you said it. The job ultimately is just to make your children's life better than your own. And that's, that's it. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. That's true. That's a great point. Well, listen, I'm going to leave you. It's pretty late for me here. Half. Yes, 10. Sir. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get off. But yeah, like I say, brilliant speaking to you. And um, yeah, thanks for coming on. No, I very much enjoyed it. You have a great weekend. And you. All Cheers, right. Joe. Thank, thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.